0: Or simply download the CCCIV app. You'll find the direct link to the app at www.ccciv.org forward slash get the app. Or when you text CCCIV app to 77977.
1: There's a a really great way for you to tell the, the spiritual temperature of your walk with the Lord is by your prayer life. In your prayer life, what kinds of things are you asking for? Because an immature person is asking for stuff and for things, but a godly person is asking for, Lord, grant to me these traits or these attributes. Give me wisdom. Give me humility. Give me patience. Give me kindness. Give me gentleness. Give me meekness so that I can be a blessing to others and so that I can bless you. What does your prayer life sound like? Because here's the thing the scripture says in 1 John chapter 5, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Are you praying according to God's will? Because if you are, God hears you and he will answer you today. So the cause of quarrels, the source of quarrels, the source of conflict, we see second main point I want you to write down is the sanctity of devotion. Read with me what it says here in verse 4. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God, or do you suppose that it is with no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? Pause there. Devotion is important to the Lord. If you're chasing passions and desires, you are not devoted to the Lord this morning. What I want you to see is that devotion requires your commitment. He says, you adulterous people, and this was a way in which the Old Testament prophets described Israel in her backslidings. See, in Exodus chapter 19, the Lord pledges to provide for the people. He, he says to the people, I'm going to watch over, over you. You're going to be uh, my people, and I'm going to be your God. And in essence, God says, this is, these are the rules that I expect for you to follow. And the people say, yes, we will follow you. Yes, we will do that. It's basically a marriage covenant, a marriage exchange. It's called a ketubah in the Hebrew. And God enters into a marriage covenant with his people in Exodus chapter 19. But then throughout the Old Testament, God is constantly warning his people through the prophets. Hey, you're going to walk away from me. You're going to forget me. You're you're going to take for granted all that I've provided for you. You're going going to the land flowing with milk and honey, and you won't be grateful. You're going to forget who provided it. You're going to turn your back, and you're going to chase the gods of the world. You're gonna follow after the passions and pleasures and desires of the world and you'll forget me in those moments. There's a prophet by the name of Hosea in the scripture and this man was called to marry a prostitute as an object lesson for the children of Israel. He marries a prostitute has children with her, and then she goes back into her old profession. She goes back to her old job. And God says to Hosea, in order for the people of Israel to know my heart for them, I want you to go and I want you to buy her out of the prostitution a second time. Listen to me. The scripture declares that you, as the church, are the bride of Christ. Have you been devoted or as devoted to the Lord as you should have been? Or have you been giving yourself, have you been selling yourself to pleasures and desires and to anyone who will come along? What do you actually have that you can offer to the Lord this morning in the the sense of your purity, in the sense of your devotion? In order to try to drive this home, I went this morning and I, I got this flower, I got this rose. And if you want to offer yourself completely devoted to the Lord this morning in the sense like this rose, you need the whole rose to be intact. But this is what happens if you're pursuing passions and pleasures and desires. And if your heart isn't true, if your heart goes back to wander and to seek out the old gods, you follow after that lust and you pull a pedal. You follow after that Wealth, and you pull a pedal. You follow after that addiction, you pull a pedal. You follow after that position, you pull a. Pe- you follow after that power, you pull a pedal. And you pull, and you pull, and you pull, and you pull until you've pulled the whole thing off. And you've nothing to offer the Lord but a stem filled with thorns because you refused to be faithful to God. Every time you pursue something or someone else, you pull a petal from the stem. And what will you have to offer in the day you enter into his presence? I'm afraid for some of you, you've got nothing on your stem. But God can restore you this morning. You can renew your commitment. You can renew your devotion. The scripture says, don't you know that you were bought with a price? Just like Hosea bought his bride out of slavery, you were purchased. And the scripture says in 1 Peter chapter one, knowing that you were ransomed from futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as gold or silver, but with the precious blood of Christ like that of a lamb without spot or without blemish. You are the bride of Christ. You were purchased with his blood. He bought you from your old lovers and your old ways and your old, uh, your, your old prostitution-filled life. He's pulled you out of all of those passions and those desires, and he wants you to remain true to him. God deserves your devotion this morning. This is why the scripture says that we should love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. We should invest everything we have into loving the Lord. The scripture says this in Psalm 42, as a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. I'm panting for you. I'm thirsting after you. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Psalm or 84 two, my soul longs, yes, faints for the courts of the Lord. To be so devoted to God that it's the only thing that you can think of You're you're the only one I'm thirsting after, God. You're the only one I'm longing for. I'm literally fainting in the heat with the thought of being in your presence. You're all that my heart and my soul longs for. In the scripture in Luke chapter seven, we have a beautiful picture of what devotion looks like. And in this text, there's another prostitute who's been involved in sin, selling her body to the highest bidder. And she's been saving her wealth in the form of some oil that she keeps in a little flask. And she would bury this flask in the floor of her home. And this was her life's savings. She was saving this up for a better life because she felt like one day maybe I can, I can go somewhere and I can be someone. But until then, this is what it's going to take. And she hears of a Jewish rabbi traveling through the city and she comes to Jesus when she hears of the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that he offers and of the power that is happening through his hands. And she makes her way through a crowded room filled with religious people and she brings that alabaster flask filled with oil, filled with her life savings. And she falls at Jesus' feet And in brokenness, she's weeping on his feet and she's wiping his feet with the hair of her head and she's pouring out her life savings at the feet of Jesus, completely devoted to him. The room questions how can Jesus allow this sinner to touch him? And Jesus tells a little story that there's a, A man that was forgiven a little bit of money and there was a man that was forgiven a lot of money. Who do you think is going to love the one who forgave the debt more? And the the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leaders, they say, we assume that it would be the one who was forgiven the most that will love the most. And this is what Jesus says. You see this woman? Yes, she's a sinner. But she's been forgiven much and because of it, she is loved much. How much does that look like? It looks like Everything. It looks like empty, emptying your flask of oil in devotion to Jesus this morning. What has he given for you? He's given his life for you. Is not your oil worth giving to him? Devotion requires commitment. Secondly, I want you to write this down. Devotion requires choice. James gives us a choice here. You adulterous people, verse four, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? There's a choice there. You're either gonna be a friend of the world or you're, and if, if so, then you're gonna be an enemy of God or you're gonna be a friend of God and you're gonna be an enemy of the world but you can't have it both ways. Friendship with the world means enmity with God. Jesus said this, he says that you can't serve two masters. You're either gonna love one and hate the other or you're gonna love the other and hate the first. You can't serve both God and money. You, you have to choose. Jesus says, if you're not with me, you're against me. If you don't gather with me, you scatter abroad. You have to choose. Are you with me or not? Are you for me or against me? Am I your master or are your desires and your passions pulling you around by the leash? And then this text says something very descript here. Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God? Or do you suppose it is with no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? That's such a beautiful thought that God is jealous for you. And when we use the word jealous, it has negative connotations today, but the scripture actually says, God actually declared in Exodus chapter 20 that he is a jealous God, therefore have no other gods before him, no idols in your life. What does it mean for God to be jealous over you? Fathers of young ladies in this room, imagine for a moment that your daughter has caught the attention of a a young man. And that young man comes to your home for the first time and he knocks on the door and you open the door and you can't believe what you see standing before you. This guy is a mess. His clothes are tattered He's got tattoos on his face. He smells bad. His teeth are bad. He's rotten through and through. And you can tell if my daughter follows this man in life, it's only going to mean heartache for my daughter. And so I'm jealous over her. I do not want to share my daughter with you. The scripture put it this way in Ephesians chapter 4 do not grieve the spirit of God, that we can actually grieve God's spirit, that we can break God's heart, that, that God is jealous over you because he's placed his spirit in you. And he doesn't want you following passions and desires that will only lead to heartache and frustration. God wants what's best for you. And when I open the door and I see that young man standing in my doorway, I think there has to be something better for my daughter than this. And God looks to you today and he's jealous over you. He's grieved for you because you're pursuing things that he knows will only lead to emptiness. Only he can fill the void that you feel. He's jealous over you. So there's this Sanctity of devotion that is necessary, it requires commitment and it requires choice. Your last main point here is the solution for our condition. First off, let's look at God's provision. Look at that again. He yearns jealously over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us. This blows my mind because the scripture actually says this in in Acts chapter 7. Yet the most high does not dwell in houses made by hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne. The earth is my footstool. What kind of house will you build for me, says the Lord? And what is the place of my rest? What, What kind of building can you actually build that will contain me, the scripture says and yet we cannot build a building beautiful enough to contain the spirit of God, yet God chooses to deposit his spirit inside of you, the believer? This is mind-blowing. This is God's provision for your need. You have a a rotten condition. You're being drawn away by this this flesh. There's this war that is being waged within you, and God has made a provision for your condition. He's placed his spirit inside of you. You are the temple of the spirit of God. And in addition to that spirit that he deposits, look at verse 6. But he gives more grace. Therefore Therefore it says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. God's provision for you is a provision of his spirit, but it is also a provision of grace. The word grace means a gift that is given without having been earned. In order to receive that kind of a gift, it takes humility. You have to... Admit that there's no way you could possibly earn this kind of treasure. This gift is given and it is not earned. This gift is supplied. But for you, you have to take it. This gift is extended, but you have to receive it. Look at what it says in Philippians chapter four. It says, my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. God has a supply of grace for your need. And you might be sitting there today thinking, but you don't understand, Chris. You You don't understand the sin that has controlled my life. You don't understand the things that I've said. You don't understand the people that I've hurt. You don't understand what I've taken or what I've harmed. And I can say to you today, none of that matters. Because God's grace is bigger than your sin. He has the riches to supply your need this morning. Listen to what it says in Romans chapter five. Now the law came to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. God's grace is strong enough, is big enough to cover your sin, to forgive your sin. And all you have to do this morning is say, Lord, I need forgiveness. God, I failed you in ways. God, I've been following the flesh. I've been following these passions, but enough is enough. I'm tired. Give me the grace that I need to pull me from this pit. God's grace is bigger than your sin. So we see God's provision. Secondly, we see Our submission, my submission, look at this again. He gives more grace, therefore it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. The word oppose means to become an enemy of. That God is an enemy of the proud. That's a scary thought. Because the scripture says that the mountains quake in the presence of the Lord. The scripture says that that God is like a mighty dread warrior. The scripture says that when Jesus returns, he's going to be clothed with a robe dipped in blood. The scripture says that the kings of the world will run and will flee and will hide in caves for the fear of the mighty warrior that has come. And God is the enemy of those who lift themselves up in pride and say, I'm going to follow my desires and my passions regardless of what that means. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Do you want God as your enemy or do you want God as your gift giver this morning? Because that's the choice. He wants to give you this grace. He wants to give you that, but it, you know what it takes? It takes humility. It takes a humbling. Look at what it says here. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, he will flee from you. Resist the devil means to draw a line in the sand, to stand your ground, and to say, Enough is enough. Resist the devil. No more devil. I'm not giving in to you any longer. I'm not following that temptation. I'm not following that desire. I'm not following that lust. I'm not following that passion. Enough is enough. Any of you ever been bullied before? Someone picking on you? I remember in third grade, there was a kid named Eric that used to pick on me every day at lunch. Every day at lunch. And finally, one time I had just had enough and I uppercutted him right in the gut, boom. You know what? That bully never bothered me again you know why? Because I stood up to him. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Like a little yapping dog, he will run away because he cannot stand up to the spirit of God that resides within you. So it requires humility, requires, look at this, contrition, sorrow, Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Wash yourselves. Here's the thing. You cannot wash yourself. You need the Lord to wash you. Only the blood of Jesus can wash you and make you clean. And it takes humility to come before the Lord and say, God, I've been following after passions. I've been following after desires. I've been following after the flesh and enough is enough. I'm drawing the line in the sand. I'm gonna resist the devil, but I need you to wash me. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Wash me in the blood of the lamb. Make me clean so that I can approach you once more. Make me clean so that I can approach your presence. And then the scripture says this, verse nine, we're almost finished. Be wretched, be wretched and mourn and weep let your laughter be turned to mourning your joy to gloom your last subpoint there is humiliation it takes my humiliation humble yourselves before the lord and he will exalt you do you understand the wretched condition that you're in this morning that apart from christ you have no hope that word wretched was descri- or was a description of an army that was on the battlefield that had ran out of food and they had no shelter and they were on the verge of surrender. Do you know what the Lord is calling you to do this morning? He's calling you to surrender. The scripture says, be wretched, weep and mourn. Be desperate for deliverance. Be desperate to be delivered from the state that you're in that follows after the flesh and follows after the desires in the flesh. Be, be, Be wretched and mourn and weep and come before the Lord. Humble yourself before the Lord in humility. Say, God, I cannot do this on my own. And the scripture says, if you will humble yourself, he will exalt you. He will lift you up. This morning, some of you are walking around your stadium and all around you is wreckage and carnage and destruction and the house has been burned to the ground because you followed your passions, you followed your lust, you followed your desire, you've been living selfishly. There's hope for you today because this text tells us that if you will humble yourself, if you'll be broken if you'll be wretched if you'll be desperate if you come before the Lord in that state God I'm desperate for you that he will lift you up he will rebuild your house he'll put the stadium back together again and what you allowed the enemy to destroy in your life God can rebuild and it will be better than it had ever been before the scripture says that we serve a God who brings beauty from ashes And all around your life right now, you look and you see ashes and more ashes and more ashes. And God is inviting you into his presence today. And he says, if you'll just humble yourself before me, I will build you back up. I will rebuild your home. I will rebuild your relationships. I will rebuild your chastity. I will rebuild your holiness. I'll give you a flower to offer me again. I'll put you back together. I'll put back together the pieces. And all it takes for God to do that in your life is for you to humble yourself and say, God, I need you to fix what I've broken. Is there anyone here this morning that would say that? That would say, God, I need you to fix what I've burned to the ground. Help me, Lord. I humbly come wretched and broken and weeping and mourning and I need you. Because the beautiful thing about this text is this text says that if you will draw near to God, he will what? He will draw near to you. It doesn't matter how many steps you've wandered away from the Lord. It doesn't matter how far you've run. It's just one step back into the presence of the Lord. One step is all it takes to stop your wandering and to turn back and say, Lord, I I need you once more. He will meet you in that place. He is a God who leaves the 99 to find the one that has wandered astray. He is the God who, who declares, I have come to seek and to save the lost. This is the God we serve. This is the one that is waiting for you to come into his presence and to rebuild what was broken. This is the love that he has for you.
0: Thanks for joining us today for Love Live Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley.